You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, and you know what? At the start of the season, I predicted that the Aggies were going to go 8-2. and two. Does my prediction still stand today, or will I change it now that they are sitting at 3-1? and one? We're going to be breaking down the rest of their season and what games you should be on the lookout for going into the remainder of 2020. As always, make sure you're following the podcast here on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this a more quality-sounding podcast every single day. Every single day is a Locked on Aggies type of podcast day. Give me a follow at Mr. Cole Thompson. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. What you want to hear. I'm always open to interpretation. And secondly, at Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th man related content found here at LOP. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So at the very beginning of the season, I think it was about a month ago, it was roughly about a month ago, we did a podcast and we gave out our predictions for Texas A&M throughout the 2020 year. Now, I said the Aggies were going to go 8-2. and two. I had them losing to the likes of Alabama and Auburn. That was my surprise team. I did not think they were going to get blown out by Florida. I thought Florida going into the year was a little bit overrated. I knew what they lost in the secondary. I knew what they lost at the wide receiver position. And I thought that was honestly going to take a toll on them. Don't get me wrong. Kyle Trask still has performed well. And Florida still is a good team. But I thought Florida, if they were going to lose one game this year, it would not be to Georgia. It would actually be to the Aggies. Lo and behold, right now my prediction stands tall as the Aggies are sitting at 3-1. Now, there was a moment where a lot of people have called me out since I've brought this up on social media and since I've brought this up around my friends. Didn't you say that the Aggies were in a trap game against Mississippi State? Yes, I did. I honestly thought that that was the trap game of the year. This was the game where I thought A&M was going to be riding high, maybe coming in 3-0, maybe coming in 1-2, really needing a big-time victory. And this was a game that just KJ Costello and Mike Leach figured it out and went off. I was wrong. Now, don't get me wrong, the score of winning by only 14 really defends my case of it being a trap game. But when you look at how the way the two teams played... It was a couple of big plays from Mississippi State. It was a lot more quality production from AM on capitalizing drives. So I can't really argue to say, yeah, I was 100% right on that. But it was a bit of a struggle game. Moving forward into this bye week, Texas A&M has an opportunity to take the next leap. Can they be a team that looks to be one of the biggest contenders for that fourth spot in the college football playoff, if the college football playoff happens, which right now it is, but anything could change in the upcoming weeks. Now that the Big Ten is coming back, now the Pac-12 is coming back, you could argue that maybe they want to make sure they're guaranteed a spot and you don't have that. And the way the Big 12 is looking, with a lot of teams having two losses on the year, if anything happens to Oklahoma State, you can almost guarantee that they will not have a representative in the CFP come 
bowl season, more than likely what it would be around New Year's or right after the start of the new year. For A&M, the only way they can guarantee themselves a spot in consideration is to continue to win. Right now, they are ranked number seven in the nation, and when you do break down their stat lines, they're in a good spot to remain one of the better teams in the SEC. Not just the SEC West, but the entire SEC. However, looking ahead at the schedule after this week, what could their outcome be? Because again, we now have a better view of what these teams look like in the SEC. So that doesn't mean that just because I had Auburn beating A&M doesn't mean I can change it. Maybe I still believe they will. Or maybe I'll say there's another trap game to be on the lookout for. Maybe there's a game that once was viewed as a slugout brawl in favor of the Aggies that no longer is guaranteed to be that. So, today's show, let's just break down every single game A&M has left, and let's figure out where the Aggies stand and what I think their record will be moving into the back half of the 2020 season. So naturally, after the bye week, right now, A&M's going to take on the likes of Arkansas. This is one of those times that I'm like, this is where I was kind of wrong, and I don't admit being wrong. Because literally the entire country got this one wrong. Arkansas is sitting at 2-2 two and two, thanks to Sam Pittman and really Felipe Franks. What the two of them have done is made this offense pretty talented overall. I mean, you look at Franks' numbers right now. He's known for 974 yards, 8 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. They have a decent run game with both Rakeem Boyd and uh, Traylon Smith. Smith has 221 yards. I believe Boyd has 128 yards on the year. And then again, Arkansas's defense. This has been a team that, for as long as I can remember, has been a quality defense overall. They rank number one in tackles with over 300. I think they rank second in sacks, second or third, fourth in sacks with nine. I think they're actually leading the SEC in interceptions. Yeah, with six. With um, with pass deflections, they're either first or second there too. With 17, 18 on the year. And you got to keep in mind, this has always been a trap game for AM. I think a lot of people consider this every year the trap game. And part of it's because of the location. It's always played in a neutral location. The last time these two schools met up at one of their stadiums was back in 2012 when the Aggies steamrolled Arkansas 58-10. Since then, they have played every single game that they've met up at as the Southwest Classic in Arlington at Jerry World, because Jerry Jones, of course, is a hog, and he wants to play one team a year, going, well, I want to play A&M, they live right up the street, I gotta go play them, they they, they gotta let my hogs know that they're in charge, now, it's always been a close game, A&M's always come out on top, that doesn't mean that things are going to change this year, Arkansas is a better team than people are giving them credit for, they ended a 20-game losing streak this past week, I mean, two weeks ago when they faced off against Mississippi State. Mississippi State, the week before, beat the living snot out of LSU. 623 passing yards. KJ Costello is still in the top three in passing yards. He's been benched twice. That's the difference. They ended a 20-game losing streak in the SEC. One play. One play against Auburn. 
And the Tigers aren't sitting at two and two. They're sitting at one and three. Instead, they're both sitting at two and two. And somehow they got a big time win, even though very late Lane Kiffin came back. All aboard the Lane Train Hype Express because if they came back. They got a 33 to 31 victory over Ole Miss. This Arkansas team is not bad. Either it's not bad or every other team in the SEC really is not good. I mean, that's just kind of the way it has to be. Because Arkansas has not been a top 25, top 30 recruiting class in the last three years. Chad Morris was never able to get the most out of his quarterbacks. And guys like Nick Starkle, uh, guys like, I'm blanking on his name right now, the, the Colorado State transfer... Uh, the SMU transfer to Ben um, Ben something. They haven't worked there. And this is an Arkansas team that back in 2000, back in the mid-2000s, when Bobby Petrino was there, they became a quality team. They were good. I mean, no one's denying that they were bad. They were a very sound team. I'm not saying that this is going to be the future of Arkansas, but Sam Pittman was an underrated hire that now has more wins in the SEC than Chad Morris and Brett Bielema did their last two years combined. It's a good move. I think the home field advantage for AM, even though there's minimal fans, even though there's minimal people around, that home field advantage matters so much more to AM than it does to Arkansas, that as long as Kellen Mond can outplay Felipe Franks, as long as Isaiah Spiller and Anaya Smith continue to run the ball the way that they are, I think that this is going to be a very good game, and I think AM will get a win. The last time AM played Arkansas at home, they got a 59-10 win. And it's on Halloween. So there's going to be a lot of spooky things going on that day. Maybe the biggest spook of all, A&M is actually a top five team in the country. I'll tell you what's even more scary than that. Big 10 football is back, which means we have to hear about Ohio State and a bunch of teams that do not matter. But much like that, do you ever just feel like you're on the go, 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 and it's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time? Dealing with work, friends, family, even a million different pressures coming off of social media that you always have to be on 24-7? Sometimes you just need to have a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. When you do, though, make sure you reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport is on this fall, Saturdays are your time to chill. Even if your team isn't playing this year, there are plenty of teams and sports on the TV that can give you the excuse to chill and drink a beer. It doesn't matter what sports team is playing, Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport for college football. Just drink the beer, so flip through the channels, find a sport, and crack open a nice Coors Light. Coors Light is one I choose when I need to unwind, and it's one that you probably should too. So when you want to hit the reset button, reach for a Coors Light that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new delivered straight to your door app by going to getcoorslight.com. Let's just be real. Everyone wants an ice cold beer on a long, hot autumn's day here in Houston. You might as well go grab yourself one as cold as the Rockies. Coors Light, the official beer of college football. 
So like most of you on Saturdays, if I'm not working in the press box or covering an event, I'm usually sitting on my couch watching college football. And sometimes I don't want to get up because the action is so great. I want to be able to sit in my seat and continue to watch the game. That's why I like to reach for my nutritious Built Bar. Now, Built Bar, you've heard the promos in the past. They have 12 awesome flavors, including coconut, almond, banana nut bread, salted caramel, or double chocolate. Now you can try their six brand new flavors in caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, and apple almond crisp. These bars are more like candy bars than protein bars because they're covered in 100% real chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. Not only is it a nutritious treat, but they're great for someone who's a health conscious guy like me. They can help me maintain or lose weight while indulging in something more delicious than a bag of chips. These bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in fiber, and high in protein. So they're great for someone on the keto diet. My favorite flavor right now is peanut butter, and it's got 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. Come on, guys. You're not going to find another product like this anywhere else. And much like their new logo, we have a new and improved, different promo for you today. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off our next order. That promo code is locked on at BuiltBar.com for 20% off your next purchase. So whatever you want to use this for, for workouts, on the go, or just a treat to satisfy your sweet tooth on a Saturday, go get a Built Bar from BuiltBar.com today. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network, Cole Thompson in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you love quality podcasts running your favorite sports team? If so, why not listen to a Locked on Podcast? The Locked On Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows, plus every team covered in the NFL, NHL, MLB, NBA, and highlight information to get you geared up and win your fantasy football league. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day. Every single day is a Locked On Podcast Day here at LockedOnPodcast.com. So yeah, I do think that Texas A&M will get the win over Arkansas. It is a little confusing because of every single year it feels like it's a struggle game, it's a trap game. And this year it does as well, but because Arkansas is good. Not for any other reason than that. They're actually a good team. The week after that is the actual trap game in my opinion, and it's South Carolina. South Carolina, whether you want to admit it or not, they're sitting at 2-2. Two and two. They're sitting with the same record as Arkansas. But to me, they have a more significant win. They almost came back to beat a top-ranked team in Tennessee. They lost 31-27. They came close, very close late, against a then-top-five team in Florida. And they got a win over Auburn this past weekend. Colin Hill was the starting quarterback, former Colorado State guy. In that game, they limited him. He really did not have that big of a part. 144 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But the run game, they had two guys rush for over, I believe it was 60 yards on the day. Yeah, one rush for 68, one rush for uh, 83, one had two touchdowns. And Auburn was limited. Bo Nix threw three interceptions. This is a defense that can play really well, well, with Jace Horn especially. Horn himself is one of the leaders in the SEC, statistically, in most defensive back categories. I mean, you look at his numbers, I believe... Yeah, he has, if I'm not mistaken, 12 total tackles, two tackles for losses, one quarterback hit. He leads the SEC in pass deflections with six. He also has two interceptions. And if I'm not mistaken, he also has a fumble recovery. He's great in man-to-man coverage. And with AM right now not having a true number one receiver, 
that could be a factor. It just kind of is the way it is. I mean, I don't always try to, you know, make it look sad, but sometimes that's just the way it is. South Carolina ranks in the top five in turnovers. They also rank in the top five in pass deflections. They rank in the top five, I think, also in sacks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're number four in sacks. Another good defensive team. Defense wins your championships, and that's why I think A&M is always going to be in contention for a spot this year. This is one of the better defenses Jimbo Fisher's ever had in his career. Mike Elko's having a career year, and I would not be shocked if he at least gets an offer to become a head coach at a smaller university somewhere across these United States of America. But the biggest thing is going to be limiting their weapons. I look at this South Carolina team, and there's not really a big, big name out there. There's a lot of just players who are there, like Colin Hill, like uh, She Smith, like Nick Muse, the tight end. No one's really separated themselves as a great weapon. Kind of in the same spot as AM. So don't be shocked if this is actually a game where, again, it's Anaya Smith and Isaiah Spiller. I believe this is going to go exactly how South Carolina wants it to go, or at least how South Carolina's been this entire season. It goes fast, they get a big lead, they score late, but that lead was so big early on, they were never able to truly come back and get into contention. I'm going to go A&M gets at least a 10-point win in this game, but they're going to lead at one point by three touchdowns and almost let them back into the conversation. Following the game against South Carolina, A&M takes on the likes of Tennessee, and the only 10 I see in Tennessee is the fact that they are a struggle team. I don't know why everyone decides to rank Tennessee so dang high every year knowing they're going to blow it. Right now, they're sitting at 2-2. They lost convincingly to a UGA team. It's Georgia. Georgia and Florida are the two teams to beat in the SEC East. Everyone knows they stick to the script. Don't change because of it. Guess what happened after that? They lost big to Kentucky. Kentucky played outplayed them. They outranked them. Something about the offense has always been a problem, and this year is no different. When you look at how they've already had to play four different quarterbacks in Jared Garantino, Harrison Bailey, Preston Brooks, the punters have even had to throw, and JT Shroud, it says a lot. Their leading receiver only has 238 yards on the year, but he does have three touchdowns in Josh Palmer. Brandon Johnson's done okay. He's averaging 11.9 yards per catch. But really, if you want to be completely honest, their defense is the problem as much as their offense. They rank 8th in sacks. They rank, I believe, 12th in uh, pass deflections. They're, I, I think they're either 2nd to last or dead last. They're 11th in interceptions with only one. And they're not great in tackling. They're an average tackling team. 139 total tackles on the year. That's 8th in the SEC. They're an average team at best. I don't know why we continue to overhype Tennessee as the next big name. Because if we went out and we got another Nick Saban assistant. Eventually, that runs out. And Jeremy Pruitt is going to have to face off against Nick Saban this weekend in the third Saturday in October, the average game every single year that every Alabama fan knows because they they get to poise a cigar every year because of that is how the game goes consistently. But I think that A&M, again, they get a big-time win. And maybe Tennessee 
could be ranked in the top 25 again, so it'd be another top 25 win for the Aggies. There's three more teams to talk about here on Locked on Aggies, about who the Aggies can beat on their way to finish 9-1. Do I believe that they will finish 9-1? Don't go anywhere. We'll be breaking down why they will or won't in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure to subscribe to the podcast here every single day on iTunes and Spotify. Listen live at LockedOnPodcast.com and follow me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and Locked on Aggies. All right, so next up on A&M's schedule at this point where they would likely be, I believe I'm not mistaken, they would be 6-1, uh, 7-1. Yeah, they'd be, they'd be 7-1, my bad. Uh, they would face off against Ole Miss. Ole Miss, to me, is better than Mississippi State. They are just as good as LSU. And they're either right below or right there with Auburn. Their record is 1-3. Their three losses have come to a top-ranked Florida team that had an offense that nobody expected to be good in their very first game under a new head coach. Uh, they lost to an Arkansas team that is playing better than I believed anyone ever thought they could with Sam Pittman. They lost to an Alabama team where it went down to the wire. Let's just remember this for about a second. Until the last 15 minutes of that game, and that was my birthday weekend, so I remember that game very clearly because I remember waking up and watching Florida, going out and celebrating my birthday, and then watching it at the bar. They went down to the wire until the final quarter with the number two ranked team in the country. Ole Miss is not a bad team. Ole Miss is actually a very quality team that pretty much played very well against a Kentucky team that's playing a lot better. Look at their stats. Matt Coral is second in the SEC in passing yards. 11 touchdowns, seven, uh, yeah, seven interceptions. Turnover's a problem. But he has over 1,200 passing yards. Only behind Mac Jones, who, by the way, is exploding. But then again, you look at what he has, you look at what Coral has. Guess what? That's all I need to say. Jerry Neely's having a great year. You look at his numbers. believe he has over 300 rushing yards on the year. That's going to be a good rushing game. He also has five touchdowns. The SEC with Snoop Connor as well. They have over 600 yards rushing. They average over 4.6 yards per carry, and they have nine touchdowns between the two of them. This is one of the more explosive offenses in the SEC. So this is going to be one of those games where I look at Mike Elko. Can he pressure Corral into making a mistake? Because it's not like the receivers are all that spread out. It's pretty consistent, at least in touchdowns. Elijah Moore is leading the team with 575. Kenny Yearbo, their tight end, is 355. Jonathan Mingo is sitting at 170. Ely and Drummond are sitting just below 100. So they're pretty even out. And every player has at least two touchdowns on the year. That's the difference, is they all have two touchdowns. At least. Yearbo has four. This is a defensive game for A&M. If the Jones bros on the outside can play well, if Damani Richardson can play against Yerbo, and if Leon O'Neal can play that rangy rover guy, this is going to be a very good game 
in favor of A&M. But again, they've had games against two top five opponents and took them down to the third quarter. If they play well in the fourth quarter, that's off. A&M gets the win, but it's a lot closer than I think people are going to give them a lot of credit for. And it's because Lane Kiffin's offense is working. More specifically, he's going to earn himself probably another head coaching job. I'm going to go really fast on this one. It's LSU at home. I believe it's senior night as well. They get that win. They immediately get that win. Have you looked at how LSU has played this year? They, they've only had two games. Three games. They should have won two. They lost to Missouri. They lost to Mississippi State. Both of which have one win on the year against the defending national champions. The FPI chart right now on ESPN has this at 49-51 in favor of AM. Get out of here with that. Miles Brennan's not good. John Emery Jr. is the only positive thing in that run team. And Terrace Marshall Jr. is kind of just there because he has to be. He's trying to boost his draft stock. And you know what? He's got 434 yards in three games and seven touchdowns. He's done his part. Miles Brennan has had a go-to target this year in Marshall. Outside of that, he's had four touchdowns to other players. If Kellen Mann plays poorly... But just trust the run game. Which, by the way, has also had a really rough year without the likes of Rashad Lawrence and other guys in the middle. This should be another easy win for for A&M. It really should. And finally, Auburn. I'm just going to come out and say it. Auburn sucks. Auburn's not a good team. And I regret it. I thought that they would lose to both schools in the Yellowhammer State. Maybe that was my Alabama bias coming out a little bit. But I thought they were going to lose to both schools in the Yellowhammer State. Auburn does not have a good run defense, which is one of the best things AM produces. They have average wide receiver play outside of everyone but Seth Williams. They do not have a tight end as a safety net. And Bo Nix has had multiple turnovers in the past two games. He's not able to connect with his receivers. He got in a heated argument with Seth Williams last game against um, South Carolina. Chad Morris had to calm him down. And even then, he got in an argument with his offense coordinator. Bo Nix is not working. Simple as that. And if these struggles continue to happen, one, you better pray to God that Auburn, or if your guest mouth's on, my bad, that Auburn's like, yeah, it was a down year, COVID happened, we're going to let you stay. Because if you do not lose as many games I think Auburn's going to lose and keep your job, you don't. Especially when you've been a very average coach outside of the year that you went to the national title in 2013 and outside of the year that you were the OC in 2010. You've been a very average coach, Gus Malzahn. You get enough wins to get by, and every once in a while, every blue tick hair, you beat Nick Saban. That's the only reason why you still are employed in the Plains of Auburn. You gotta hope that they say, oh, COVID happened if you continue to struggle. Because if not, I would be looking immensely to other programs. And honestly, I'm not going to lie. I'd call Lane Kiffin. Who else would not love to see Lane Kiffin against Nick Saban every year? Guaranteed. Every year in the most important game of the year in the Iron Bowl. This Auburn team is not good. They've lost a lot of talent on defense that they were not able to replace immediately. 
The offense is staggering. If they trust the run game, AM will be 9-1 at the end of the year. And 9-1 at the end of the year likely gets you in the conversation at least for the college football playoff. Especially if, let's just say, Alabama wins out, but they lose to Georgia or they lose to Florida and Atlanta. Now you got two teams sitting at 1-1. One and, one. and if it's Florida, you 100% have the justification to go, well, we beat Florida. What about now? That's going to do for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast here on LOP. And make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies tomorrow. Not only will we be doing our live show as we do, but we also will be doing what I did last year, which is a kickback to my very first show I ever did on Locked on Aggies, which was the good, the bad, and the ugly. Where does A&M stand after their first four games with the good, the bad, and the ugly? Don't go anywhere. We'll be talking about all that tomorrow. We'll see you then. And remember... This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.